g'day, welcome to Radio Notes, where those in music talk life, those in life chat music and more. Producer, DJ and teacher Jamie Franchina is our feature guest today. Heads up, the audio has come through on a mobile and third-party application in part. That said, did not want the chance to not share this chat with an artist whose original debut is highly likely to ignite streaming services and recording platforms on its release in 2020. Hear from them in just a moment. First, In the Box. One Million Years DC, second album from Dave Graney and Claire Moore for 2019, opens with the first single, He Was a Sore Winner. The full release out later this week, the 10th of October. A great companion to their zippity-doo, what is, was that, this, from earlier in the year. Great appeal in the mellow lounge vibe and radio-friendly cut, I'm Not Just Nobody. For those in Australia, the Violent Femmes will be touring across the country in March of 2020. Chance to play cuts from their release, their 10th album in fact, called Hotel Last Resort, which has been getting a regular play in my studio since its release a few months back. From EMI, Nora and Mavis, as in Nora Jones and Mavis Staples duet, has been released, I'll Be Gone. Written by Peter Rem, my favourite touch is Brian Blade, a massive gentleman of jazz on the drums. Reminding me that Hug a Drummer, a time of record, is this Thursday the 10th of October. Jones notes the first they met Staples was when they held each other's hand to honour Paul McCartney. Which I note Paul McCartney, John Lennon and co have re-entered to number two on the album charts this week with Abbey Row for its 50th year anniversary. That's just three of the items from my inbox in the last week. One more that came across the show's socials I'd like to mention here is... Second Path Live, October the 19th, 2019, at the Roy Thompson Hall, inspired by the story of Chani Wenjack and part of the work of the Gord Downey Foundation, featuring Indigenous and non-Indigenous performers together on stage to hear some background on the foundation, the story of Chani. That can be found back in episode 18 with Andre Santa on our podcast feed. Let's now head to our feature guest. School Teacher by Day. DJ and producer by night. That's the life of Jamie Franchina, who also had a co-sign with Flume and developed their own audio-visual party experience. After mass success doing mashups of Taylor Swift, Drake, and notably their B.I.G. Flume release gaining over 5 million downloads, the next project will debut their original project that includes their latest tune dropped, Next to Mine, that features Chicago artist Alina Renee. During a lunch break from their day job, Franchina called in from Perth, Australia. Jamie, welcome to Radio Notes. Thank you very much. Let's start with Taylor Swift. Are you a <laughs> fan in the ironic sense or in the genuine sense? To be honest, it's a bit of both. It's crazy. Um, never really was a big fan of Taylor Swift. And then what happened was my brother got free tickets. He won a competition through the hit radio station. He's like, I don't want to go. Do you want to go? And I'm like, yeah, give me the tickets. I'll, I'll go. Went and watched her live show. And I was like, damn, this girl is an awesome performer. And I was legit blown away by it. And then, yeah, I was just like, you know what? She actually got, like, not bad tunes. That's how uh, I do enjoy a bit of T-Swift. And, yeah, I don't deny it. You did a mashup of Taylor Swift and the Host 100. I'll put that in the show notes for people who haven't already checked that out. A bit more about you, though. 
Are you a junior black belt? No. Photo wearing a sort of a Juno or a karate outfit with a black belt on. I was intrigued. Oh my gosh, is that with my father? Yes, it is. Wow, where'd you guys get that? It's called research. So have you ever done a bit of Juno or karate in your time? Yeah, I did it for about 12 years. When I was really oh. young, my father was an instructor and I used to go to the class. I used to just stand on the side and just try to copy everything my father did. I just got older and I was more in love with uh, playing soccer. So I stopped doing karate and then I just went into soccer and stuff like that. It's such a lovely image as well. If you don't mind me asking, do you do a lot with your father? I'm wondering in terms of the uh, 78 Cobra that you've been working on, what, for eight years? Yeah, so dad's one of my best friends. If MySpace was still around, he'd be number one. My dad and I, when we grew up, we were close. And then my parents divorced. And then I didn't talk to my father for three years. And then we started talking again after three years. And then we just had a massive passion for cars together. And so we started getting to realistically re-know each other as adults because I didn't talk to him from the age of 13 to 16. And then it was kind of that important time in the teenager's life where I didn't have my father. And then I started to get to know him more as an adult when I started talking to him again when I was 16. Dad and I absolutely love cars. Over the past 12 years between us, we've had about 25 to 30 cars that we've built and we've enjoyed, we've sold, we've bought, we've just absolutely loved it. At the moment, we're currently building two separate Cobras, a 1978 TE Cortina Cobra and a 1978 XC Cobra. So it's like a father-son project. You've also worked on a 71 XY GT. I don't know much about cars, but all these seem to be back from the 70s. 70s was the best in cars. Love them. Massive car enthusiasts. So much so that, yeah, Dad and I have had the same cars and we've driven them side by side, taking them to shows, and we've just absolutely loved them. It's a big passion, so I've learned how to build engines off my father and I've just been able to incorporate that in a lot of my, I guess, social media presence. So a lot of my Instagram followers are people that follow car stuff. What else do you get from the tactile fixing up of cars? I, I get I get everything out of it. It's just so good. Some, one day I love my dad, the other days I hate him because something's gone wrong. But it's just the relationship you have with your parents. We have good banter between us. Literally, like it brings our relationship together. But everyone's like, oh, if you didn't have cars, would you guys even get along? And I'm like, yeah, of course we would. But it's just that cars amplify the relationship between the both of us. Jeremy Smith, are you still working with him? Because you guys have had over 5 million listens. Jeremy is one of my real close friends. We have known each other since the young days of like all the bodyboarding crews here in Western Australia. We still maintain a close relationship. He now runs a DJ school called Lab 6, and it's actually teaching all young people in Perth how to DJ how to produce, and he's absolutely doing a fantastic job over here. What we went through together was absolutely awesome. Terms of the mashups, the mixes, the DJing work that's been happening between you two, what was that projection like? I went to him and I said, hey, mate, I've got an idea. When Flume released his album, I was like, I want to put the Notorious B.I.G. on Flume. What do you think? He goes, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. I go, I, I know nothing about producing. I know a little bit. I'll try to draft some tracks up. 
and then let's do it together. We ended up smashing it out in four weeks and then we posted it up as a thing that we didn't expect to go the way it did. Posted it up, got some massive, awesome reviews on places that I wouldn't didn't even know existed but were big music networks. And then our biggest and most accomplished thing that happened for that was three days later on Valentine's Day in 2013, I'll never forget the day, Flume posted it up and it just went wild. We got over 200,000 or 300,000 streams that one day. All these people downloaded it. It was absolutely phenomenal. I'm still riding that wave because I've just went to a thing called Your Shot when I was speaking to people and I, you know introduced myself. And they're like, oh, you did the Biggie Flume mashup. I was like, yeah. So it's kind of cool that you still get recognized for that. It's one of the first projects I ever did which got me into producing. Somewhere along that line, between then and now, the Drake on the weekend, there was a mashup mix that happened there that came across my desk. I did that. I've done those little kind of mashups across the years. The new album is on its way. We call it the debut official release because this is completely your work. Completely my work. Now, on that, I have obviously worked with a lot of people because things these days, there's a lot of things on especially electronic producing that, that I don't know how to do 110%. So I'm always calling people into the studio. I'm always going to them, like, hey man, can you help me with this or can you help me with that? So yeah, it is a debut album by me, but I've had help and I don't deny it. And even on one of the tracks I referenced, I've had help. On this debut that we speak of, you have actually featured 13 artists. It's marked to be released in the later part of 2019. I have worked with these 13 artists across the world. They start off with one of my first tracks is called 3210 by Mariami. She's actually Italian. On my second track called Don't Think Twice, it's a bit of a drum and bass track. But her name is Bailey Gill, and she got a shout out by Halsey. She's had millions of streams online. And then it just keeps going on. All these different artists. I've got a girl called Ashley. I've got a rap artist called Scam Artist. I've got, on one of my tracks, I featured two German vocalists, which are absolutely amazing. They did Germany's Got Talent, and they made it through to, like, the top ten. They're called Joseph Feinstein and Dali, and they do them. It's my only track on the album that it's purely piano with a little bit of drum hitting bass on it and it's like none of the other tracks so i've got all these different ones but the only australian artist i've collaborated with her name is veronica bravo and she has been one of my friends growing up throughout my life i'm wondering how you choose which vocals you want for your cuts i do research so basically i've had a massive secret weapon it's a website called sound better it's basically like the eBay for music producers. You can go and you can find what you want, the artist you want, an artist that's rated, that's valued, and an artist that has their promoted work on their actual website. Send them a proposal. Be like, hey, I've got this track. Can you come and sing on this one for me? I met these artists all through there. The first single from it will be called Next to Mine, which has just dropped. Alina Renee. She's come from Chicago. She's worked with Armand Van Buren and she's worked with Tiesto. She features on some of their tracks, a track each. She's fantastic. A lot of my streams through Spotify have been through the US and I believe I owe that part definitely to her. 
Speaking about collaborations, what's your partnership with clothing brand Allrace? A clothing brand that I have been with since 2014. They are a fantastic brand name. Allrace comes from all races. And just to promote all that love between no matter who you are and what you do, the fashion can bring you close. They've supported me all these years and that's why I haven't gone a day where I don't wear their gear. It's run by a guy called Eddie and he is absolute legend. I want to ask regarding the audiovisual DJ sets. That's what I think you've been doing of late. What do they involve and how are they different from an ordinary DJ set? If anyone's ever seen Hot Dub Time Machine, because that's one of the biggest names in audiovisual partying in Australia, I basically am that kind of person, but I do my own massive spin on it, and I've been doing that ever since 2014 as well. It's basically mixing music, in my case, it's mashups, and having a visual aspect to the set of which I'm able to play on a massive screen behind me in front of the audience. One of my best little visual edits is actually, um, I've done Harry Potter one with the sorting hat. If anyone's watched Harry Potter, when they do a sorting hat, and it, when the sorting hat's talking, I've actually done that to backseat freestyle by Kendrick Lamar. And just that video alone took three weeks. What genre you believe is best to mash? Best thing about mashes is you can take two totally different abstract artists that are on the other spectrum of genres and you can mash them together. And that's the beauty of mashups. My go-to is party stuff in the fact of lyrics that people know, mashing it with a totally different riff or a different beat, and I love doing that. There appears Only Way and Just Saying are from 2016. Are they going to make it on this album in any form? Nope. Nope. They're not. They're just old, they're just old tracks that I, I just released at the time. Like I, I loved them at the time, but then I was like, you know what, Jamie? Go back in your bedroom, work learn more, and then come out with something much better. So those ones I have, but I learned from, it was an artist because I was like, oh man, this is some of my old stuff. I'm not really liking it in comparison to my new stuff. Mm. And I saw this interview and it was like, make sure you never delete that stuff. Make sure it's always there so you know where you've come from and how far you've progressed. And not only that, but showing your the people that listen to your music the kind of journey you've gone on through that music journey. September 2017, you stated the track that the current single was from an up-and-coming EP. Now it's going to be part of an LP. What changed and the thought process for that change? I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to lock myself in a room and I'm just going to make tracks and see how that goes. When I was halfway through, I was like, I'm just going to go full wall on this and create an album because at least that way I've got all these tracks that I can choose from to choose my defined singles and post those out. So I ended up doing that and then I was listening to it and then other friends were listening to it because I'm always showing stuff to my mates and they're like, man, this could be an album. And I was like, why do you think that? And they're like, it's just a massive Jamie sound, but it's all differentiating in all the tracks. So none of my tracks sound alike. I know some artists you, you play and you're like, oh, this sounds like this or this is a, an easier version of that. But all my tracks are different. So I've got like a drum and bass song. I've got a bass house song. I've got a house song. I've got all different. So I've got a hip-hop track, 
all the different styles and heaps of people were saying, you should do this as an album, you should release it as it. Jamie, you're currently a teacher. What are you currently teaching and what is it bringing you? Doing relief teaching at the moment. Because of my situation with my music, I also run my own business. I'm currently also building an app. I'm doing relief teaching at the moment. So whenever I get asked to go into a particular school, I just go in and I do the relief teaching. And are you getting inspired by the future generations and what kind of music they could be enjoying? 110,000%. But I must say, some of the new music that comes out from some artists, I'm like, I'm doing the thing where I'm educating them. They're like, listen to this artist. You should listen to that artist. And then that kind of opens up their eyes. So, oh, wow, this is what music was. And then that's when I realized, damn, I think I'm starting to get a little bit older in this industry. But it's great because in being a teacher, I can hear what the young kids are liking and then I can take my inspiration there and I can bring that to my new DJ sets and everything. Has learning how to produce music given you your voice that you may not have had when you were younger? 110%. 110%. Basically with some of the lyrical content that I've got in this, has some real subtle messages that I've put and I've embedded to the music. I've spoke to the artists that I've featured with and I'm like, I want this in this track and they've been able to incorporate it in such a beautiful way, which is awesome. When do you do your songwriting best? That's a great question. Honestly, when I'm either driving home in the car on the way home from my DJ gigs at 5am because sometimes... You're out all night, and I'm sure all DJs will understand this. If you're out all night DJing for, let's, let's say, six hours, and you've got the music blasting, when you get in your car, you really don't want to put that music up loud. Just sometimes you just drive home and you don't listen to anything. And then that's when the kind of inspiration hits me. But in doing so, I'm working with an artist, and I, they've written the track for me. I'll listen to their top lines over and over, and I'll be like, okay, I want to incorporate this lyrical verse in it or this lyrical sentence and I sometimes I pull over on the side of the road and I write that down. Sometimes I just wake up in the morning and I've just like gone my notes and I start writing stuff. Never been never been a big vocalist and I'm not really good at lyrical writing but I believe I have a passion enough to write my own way and get that incorporated into my tracks. Taking you back to earlier in that night or earlier in that morning, as I'm sure the case often is, what are you seeing when you're DJing looking out at the audience, at the crowd? I'm seeing a lot of energy. I start at 9 o'clock and I bounce from one place to another. One place is hip-hop and R&B and then the other place is party. And when I'm playing out early in the morning and seeing all this energy, I thrive off it. I absolutely thrive. Even if I'm having a night where I'm tired, and I see the crowd loving it, I and someone's like, man, look at what you're doing. I'm like, yeah, true. And it gives me that buzz. If I don't get that buzz, what am I doing the job for? Like, I love everything I do, and I'll put 110% in. And that energy is the thing that keeps me going all the way till 5 a.m. Endorphins and Red Bull, hey? I used to drink 12 Red Bulls a week at least, and I've got type 1 diabetes. So bad. For me, but this year I have been drinking coffee and I hate coffee. I've been drinking coffee, not for the taste, just for the rush. 
Can I ask you about Taylor Swift? Have you had a chance to get into the new music? Are you still with her? One of the girls I follow on social media, she was just saying like how awesome her new album is and how it relates to her and her life. And I started listening to the new Taylor stuff, which like to me is pretty much like her, her old stuff. I don't like it in comparison to her old stuff. Her old stuff was better. Do you reckon you could do something good with the re-recording of 1989 and the other albums that she's re-recording? As in mashup-wise? Mashup, or even maybe something a little bit more subtle, maybe some sort of remix or lyrical collab. What I try to do in my projects is really try not to jump on something I've done before. The only Mm. thing I've ever done that I've jumped on is Flume's second album skin because everyone was like man you should do another mashup album with Flume's new stuff and I always had that in the back of my head when we did when Jeremy and I did the big Flume album I always said that when another album was released I jumped and put another artist on it and I was like you know what I'm just going to do Biggie's opposite in the original big Flume album I actually did Tupac track we're going to do it as like Biggie and Tupac, but we ended up just being Biggie. But in one of the tracks on the first Big Flume album, was it had Tupac in it, and that was the deadly combination track. It was always meant to be that uh, I did Tupac in my other one, which on that, I incorporated one of the songs I originally did for the first one. It, that was the only one I'll ever, I'll ever jump back on. I really try not to jump back on old stuff mm. that, that I've already done. What's your connection with the likes of B.I.G. as well as Tupac? They seem to be more from coming from an American-type culture and, of course, Drake closely related to that. Is there a connection between your own experience in WA and that of theirs? Not really. My cousins growing up got me into Disney and Tupac. Me, so being more of a Biggie fan, I just loved the music. The rapping was just, in comparison to these days, they just, they told stories and you were able just to picture it in your head of the way life was for them. And back then, I used to listen to them on a tape deck, Walkman, Sony. I remember I had a green Walkman. I used to listen to it, especially like going to into 99 and listening to um, Eminem, like Marshall Mathers LP and all that stuff. All that generation, I just loved it. And I'd love to do something with Eminem, actually. What has life experience brought you over those extra years in the DJ music scene and now the producing of your own debut original album? Sometimes I'm like, you know what, I'm getting a little bit older because it's always like, oh, this young person's releasing this album, this young person's releasing that. I'm not so young anymore. And then I watched an interview with Diplo and he actually started his whole music career when he was 20. What he spoke about was he lived a life of you know DJing and everything, and because he started at 27, a bit of a later age, he's able to be able to extend his career. He's now 40, I believe he was born in 79, and he's been able to extend his career to 40. So, being a bit of a mature person and being able to see life the way it is, and to be able to go through life instead of starting being, I guess famous at the age of 18 you haven't really been able to experience you know life life issues life troubles or what a normal life has been about so i'll always take my experiences on from these past nine years if, if anything does end up eventuating 
then yeah, it's being a mature person is not bad in doing that. I'm just going to take everything as it comes. Do you get a sense that people are still listening to music, and I hope they are, in the same way that you would have back in the 90s? I'd hope that people are going out and buying records and everything, which I know uh, places over here, and between all my friends and I, if we ever go into stores, records themselves, like from new artists, is such a big thing, and I, I believe it's coming back, and it's fantastic to do so, because just to have that, hard copy of an artist you like and appreciate, it's fantastic. I believe we've had a generation for, let's say, the past six years where it hasn't really been a big thing to go out and get a, a CD or, or anything, where it's now coming back in. I think it's cool to, ha- it's cool to have a, a record collection. And it's fantastic. So in comparison to when I was into music in the 90s, all I think about is, man, how many artists were out there that didn't get a set? We started the conversation by speaking about your father. What are you doing for Father's Day in 2019? We do the same thing we've been doing for the past six years. Myself, my younger brother and my father, we take three of our muscle cars out. We all drive them. I used to pay it for petrol, go out. My brother pays for lunch and we just go cruising along the coast. Western Australia is absolutely beautiful to go cruising along and we've been blessed that it's been a fantastic weather for Father's Day over the past five years and we continue that tradition until we all die. Do you have a feeling you could be a father yourself one day? Of course, 100%. I'd love to have a family. I'm looking forward to it. Don't need to get married tomorrow, but I am looking forward to being a father and being a really good father. doesn't need to happen tomorrow, but yes, I'm definitely going to be a father and I'm going to have a beautiful wife. Can't wait. You've got your own baby on the way, which is this debut original album. I'm really excited because it's an original work and I know you're collaborating with other people. That's fantastic as well. But a chance for you to actually put some of your lyrical and songwriting content in there as well. Jamie, best of wishes for the up and coming album and thanks for joining Radio Notes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Jamie Franchina, latest single, Next to Mine, featuring Alina Renee, out now. Warm Human, that's the name of an artist. Their album is Ghastly, with tight croon of a voice combined with synths. Releases from earlier in the year just came across my desk in recent times. Feels like a suitable link between our guest today and our guest next time. What is striking is the brutal honesty, which is refreshing oral experience in these times when cacophony of lies grabs such oxygen every day. Meredith Johnson from Chicago is the songstress, who has also inspired me to return to a most Skin Diary for 2020. More on that in the future. Back to them. They're currently working sober and have stated that has added to their attention to detail. Share a link in the show notes to the release. Time now to go off the charts. In line with our guests today, cast an eye over the release charts thanks to the Australian Recording Industry Association. To the dance singles. Flume featuring Red Krajan. Re-enter at 19 with the Quits EP. Pinau dips from 12 to 18 with solid gold, while Flume and K, Never Be Like You, re-enters at 12. Brand new at 8, Diplo and the Jonas Brothers Lonely, keeping them company at 7, Loud Luxury's Body. Highest new entry at 3, Rushing Back, a cut by Flume featuring Vera Blue. One Thing Right stays at number 1 from Marshmallow featuring Kane Brown. 
And that's a quick look at the dance chart for the week of record. They were like totally open to me providing my sound onto the live score. So that was really great in the sense that we could collaborate a lot with that show. Play in the background while they do these amazing acrobatic skills. They've built a slack boat, which is a a giant metal taco shaped rocking apparatus. It looks like a big crescent taco thing. And then on the top, there's a, a slack rope, which they walk across. Not only do they have to balance on the slack line, they have to manage the rocking of the boat as well. Very hungry now, tacos. I'm a big fan of some good tacos. Orca there, our guest next time on the show. Thanks very much to our feature guest this episode, Jamie Franchina. Radionotespodcast.com for show notes and links. Web design there by Steve Davis. Theme music by Martin Kennedy and All India Radio. I'm Tammy Weller. John Merch is the producer and host based in Adelaide, South Australia.